When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Cthulhu Mythos in Bloodborne H.P. Lovecraft's Cthulhu Mythos has inspired countless novels, films, tabletop games, and especially video games over the years. One of the games most lauded for its use of Lovecraftian elements and cosmic horror is the PlayStation 4 action RPG Bloodborne. Although the early plot of the game seems to revolve around a somewhat more traditional horror theme, the story soon devolves into eldritch horrors and cosmic mysteries. While many have discussed the vague elements of the game's characters and events in relation to Lovecraft's works, this video will attempt to correlate as many specific examples in the game that I can find to elements of the Cthulhu mythos. Much of these will be loose connections based on my own thoughts, and it's highly likely that I'll miss something, or you won't agree with some. This video is meant to be less of an educational essay on the game's plot and characters, and more of a fun exercise. To begin with, I'll first have to go over the general plot of the entire game, especially for those unfamiliar with it. Spoilers are inevitable in this video, so click away if you're still waiting to experience the game for yourself. The majority of the plot of the game takes place in a fictional, grim city named Yarnum that has a reputation of being strange and foreboding. The most notable aspect of Yarnum is the population's customs and obsessions regarding blood, specifically the unique healing blood administered and distributed by the Healing Church, the principal religious organization in Yarnum. The healing blood is capable of curing any disease, and people travel far and wide to come to Yarnum in the hope of being healed. The player character wakes up in a blood ministration clinic in Yarnum, and a man with bandages over his eye sockets begins talking to you. The reason for your arrival in Yarnum is unclear, although there are theories, and the man has you sign a contract, and then administers some Yarnum blood into your system. After a close call with a beast that reaches out to grab you, which is perhaps a dream or perhaps not, you wake up alone in the clinic, with no memory of your time before arriving at Yarnum. You quickly discover that Yarnum is beset by horrific beasts, and even the citizens of Yarnum in the street that are seemingly hunting the beasts also hunt you as well. If you die, or touch a mysterious lantern, you wake up in an alternate location, a small island hanging in the sky consisting of a garden, a graveyard, and a single building. Here you encounter Gehrman, who introduces himself as a friend to hunters, and claims this area is known as the Hunter's Dream. He tells you to not think about what's happening too much, and to just hunt some beasts, for that's what hunters do. It seems that some sort of effect has caused a number of Yarnum residents to transform into beasts, and it's up to skilled hunters to put them down. For some reason, you are marked as special, and whenever you die, 
you're allowed to revive to continue the hunt. After hunting some beasts and violent men, you end up in the Cathedral Ward of Yarnum, where the Healing Church was headquartered. You discover the ruins of Old Yarnum, which apparently had a similar catastrophic event occur to it, resulting in the town being burned and abandoned, with the current city built above it. As you continue to slaughter increasingly ferocious and horrific beasts, you leave the city and head into a dark forest on the outskirts. This leads to the abandoned school of Bergenworth. This school predates the Healing Church, but is abandoned since the Healing Church forbade anyone from visiting it. The area is now overrun with large, insectoid monsters. Inside the school, you encounter a member of the Choir, a high-ranking group within the Healing Church, who attacks you on sight, presumably for disobeying the Church's order. On the terrace outside, overlooking the lake, you find an elderly man in a chair, Master Willem, the former head of Bergenworth. All he can do is beckon towards the lake, which you eventually jump into and seemingly fall into a different area entirely. Here you encounter Rom, the vacuous spider. After slain Rom, a change occurs throughout Yarnum, with the moon suddenly turning into a color resembling blood, and a number of fresh new horrors appear throughout the city. You now notice massive spider-like creatures clinging to the sides of buildings, and you've been transported to a different part of the city. Eventually, you make your way to a corpse that somehow teleports you into another school, the School of Mensis, founded by former students of Bergenworth. Through here, you step into the Nightmare of Mensis, a completely different location containing former students of the school who sought an audience with a great one, eldritch multi-dimensional beings. After fighting through a number of locations, you end up in an arena fighting a vicious monster protecting the child of a great one. After defeating it, and listening to the child's cries fade away, you return to the hunter's dream. Here, one of three endings occur. Speaking to Gehrman, he tells you you've done a good job, and now you must die here so that you can forget the dream and awake under the morning sun. If you accept, he kills you, and you wake in Yarnum to see the rising sun. If you refuse, you're forced to kill Garman, and afterwards an alien creature appears as the moon turns blood red. It embraces you, and afterwards you see yourself in a wheelchair, replacing Garman as the host of the hunter's dream. However, if throughout the game you have found three umbilical cords belonging to children of great ones, you can consume them, and the alien moon presence will instead recoil, forcing you to slay it. This results in you becoming, presumably, a new Great One, with unknown repercussions. There is far more detail, complexity, and discussion revolving around the plot of Bloodborne, but this is as much as I'd like to say about it. This video is mostly about the connections to the Cthulhu Mythos. First, there's the concept of insight. Throughout Bloodborne, as you encounter supernatural and eldritch horrors, you gain more insight. Insight is a relatively minor game mechanic overall, affecting a couple secondary stats and altering the game world slightly. 
Insight can also be obtained by consuming two separate items. Madman's Knowledge and Great One's Wisdom. Both of which appear to be the skulls of individuals that once contained insight into a higher truth. As you gain more insight, you start to see and hear things that you couldn't before, although it seems they were possibly there the whole time. The most notable example is of the creatures known as Lesser Amygdala. At a couple points fairly early on in the game, you can walk to a spot and suddenly be picked up in the air and be killed. At first, this is utterly confusing and understandably unnerving. If you gain enough insight, however, your eyes are open to the truth of things, and you now see giant creatures clutching the sides of buildings. In Lovecraft's stories, narrators and protagonists would often experience horrifying and inexplicable events, and would go on to write down these experiences for others to read. Therefore, you, as a reader of the Cthulhu Mythos stories, are gaining insight into an eldritch truth through these writings. And in Bloodborne, the protagonist is gaining insight through first-hand experience, or through the skulls of those that experienced it. The most notable example of seeing something that was always there but was invisible before in Lovecraft's works is the story From Beyond. Although it's not part of the Cthulhu mythos, I'll still mention it. In the story, the narrator uses an electronic device created by his friend that stimulates the pineal gland in a person, allowing them to perceive alternate planes of existence. The narrator uses these heightened senses to perceive alien entities all around him, but at the same time the entities can now perceive him as well. These entities existed there all along, but it's only once the human mind is open to a higher truth that we can perceive them. Bloodborne often takes the concept of opening your eyes literally, with many enemies having an abundance of eyes on their bodies. Some characters collect eyes, and some discuss the concept of lining your brain with eyes. A separate mechanic in Bloodborne is known as Frenzy. This is more of an affliction that is inflicted upon the player by enemies that causes a meter to fill up. When it's full, blood erupts from your character and you take a large amount of damage. This is most commonly inflicted by some of the enemies that are covered in eyes, such as the Winter Lanterns or the Brain of Mensis. Frenzy is in some ways more similar to a traditional insanity mechanic, and your frenzy resistance is actually reduced the more insight you have, possibly as you become more closely connected to a cosmic truth. Next, let's discuss the healing blood and the beast scourge. Much of the early game isn't closely linked to Lovecraft's works and themes, as it presents itself as a gothic horror game rather than a cosmic horror one. You seem to discover that the blood is turning most people in Yarnum into some form of beast, with members of the healing church possibly affected more than others due to their high consumption. It would also seem that a great one, known as the Moon Presence, is possibly responsible for affecting the blood in such a way as to turn people into beasts, which some claim to be a natural part of humanity. If I were to make a connection between this and the Cthulhu mythos, 
I would point to the milk of Shub Niggurath. Although it's not a creation of Lovecraft's, it's considered a part of the Cthulhu mythos. The milk of the outer god Shub Niggurath is said to have mutagenic properties, altering those who drink it into far more fearsome creatures. The healing blood in Bloodborne first came from an unknown source found deep beneath Yarnum, implied to be a great one. Although it's unlikely that the milk of Shub Niggurath was the inspiration for Bloodborne's beast scourge, it's an interesting similarity. Dreams and nightmares are a recurring theme throughout Bloodborne, as both a metaphysical concept as well as actual locations the player must traverse. At the very least, there seems to be multiple layers of dreams and nightmares throughout the game, such as the Hunter's Dream, which both figuratively and literally appears to be on top of everything else. In the Nightmare Frontier, you can see below you in the distance the tops of what seems to be ship masts, likely from the fishing hamlet nightmare. The Nightmare of Mensis contains the largest amount of horrific frenzy-inducing creatures. Arguments could be made that even the version of Yarnum that we travel through during the night is a dream as well. Lovecraft created a somewhat separate series of stories known as the Dream Cycle, centered around the concept of the Dreamlands. Here, each world has its own version of the Dreamlands, an expansive location that dreamers can explore and live in, an experienced dreamer that understands the process of entering the dreamlands can do so whenever they fall asleep, but one can also find physical ways to enter the dreamlands on Earth, although this is often quite dangerous. Time is extended in the dreamlands compared to time on Earth, and generally if you die while dreaming, you wake up with a shock. If you travel there physically, however, real death is certainly possible. It's said that when frequent visitors to the Dreamlands die, it's possible for their consciousness to remain behind in the Dreamlands. Perhaps most interesting, however, is that the Dreamlands contains its own pantheon of deities, albeit weaker ones compared to other Mythos deities. These entities are known as Great Ones. There's no doubt that the creators of Bloodborne were heavily inspired by Lovecraft's Dreamlands and his ideas on dreaming. The moon and the various transitions it goes through plays a large part in the overall plot of Bloodborne, and many creatures, locations, and concepts are linked to the moon. The game starts around dusk, with the sun just above the horizon. Later, nighttime has arrived, with a full moon lighting up the sky. After the death of Rom, the vacuous spider, the moon and sky change, with the moon appearing blood-red and the sky various shades of purple. Once this happens, the line between man and beast is blurred, and a number of things that were hidden become visible. Regardless of your insight, you can now see the creatures hanging from buildings, and by this point, almost the entire town has been driven mad or turned into beasts. Although not a Cthulhu mythos story, Lovecraft wrote a short story in 1922 titled What the Moon Brings. The first line states, I hate the moon. 
I am afraid of it, for when it shines on certain scenes familiar and loved, it sometimes makes them unfamiliar and hideous. It goes on to say, Upon that sea the hateful moon shone, and over its unvocal waves weird perfumes brooded. And as I saw therein the lotus faces vanish, I longed for nets that I might capture them and learn from them the secrets which the moon had brought upon the night. Again, whether or not this story was used at all for inspiration is a topic for debate, but it's certainly interesting. The last concept I'd like to discuss before moving on to specific locations and characters is that of pregnancy. Depending on how extensively you explore and interact with the characters in Yarnum, you might discover some very interesting things related to the birth of Great Ones. No matter what, as you continue your quest, you'll come across an umbilical cord, or something akin to it, that belongs to an infant Great One. You then learn that every Great One loses its child, and then yearns for a surrogate. You find one of these items after you defeat the wet nurse protecting Mergo, an infant Great One. In addition, once the Blood Moon appears, two female characters become suddenly pregnant, and one gives birth not long after to her own infant Great One, with another umbilical cord. This concept of eldritch beings somehow impregnating human women in order to give birth to abominations is the basis of the plot of Lovecraft's Dunwich Horror. In the Dunwich Horror, an individual known as Old Waitley makes a deal with the outer god Yogg-Sothoth, in which Yogg-Sothoth would impregnate Waitley's daughter and provide Waitley with a never-ending supply of ancient gold pieces. Waitley's daughter gives birth to two alien children, one who mostly resembles a human, but grew up at an extremely accelerated rate, and another who much more closely resembles his father, Yogg-Sothoth. It's incredibly likely that this is where they drew inspiration for the plot device of Great Ones impregnating humans in Bloodborne. In a lesser-known story, The Curse of Yig, a woman is somehow impregnated by the snake god, Yig, giving birth to a human-snake hybrid. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Moving on to specific locations within Bloodborne, we've already discussed the various dream locations and their connection to Lovecraft's dreamlands. The dreamlands present a wide variety of locations, from grand cities to tranquil villages and nightmarish and incomprehensible realms filled with deadly and horrific monsters. The moon also has its own dreamlands, but it's inhabited by amorphous, toad-like creatures with tentacles known as moon beasts. They live in windowless cities and travel to Earth's dreamlands to sell rubies for slaves and gold. 
Bloodborne departs from Lovecraft's concept of the Dreamlands by having multiple dream realities present simultaneously, each created and sustained by various great ones. This concept has been explored by other authors in the mythos, however. Yarnum is a city that takes on many common traits of Gothic horror and Victorian-era architecture. While Lovecraft was inspired by Gothic fiction and dabbled in it himself, Yarnum likely takes inspiration from many other authors and stories. Bergenworth College, the school of higher learning that delved into the discovery of great ones and a higher truth, is likely inspired by Miskatonic University, from the Cthulhu mythos. While Miskatonic was originally an ordinary university that happened to contain a copy of the Necronomicon and several other mythos tomes, it has since become a focal point within the mythos for those wishing to learn more about the mythos. In the DLC content, The Old Hunters, we discover the fishing hamlet, a filthy, run-down village covered in decay and water. As the area is filled with violent enemies known as fishmen, resembling some hybrid of human and fish, the entire area is a reference to the village of Innsmouth and the Deep Ones, as depicted in Lovecraft's story, The Shadow Over Innsmouth. You discover that the people of the hamlet were apparently worshipping a Great One that lived nearby in the ocean, known as Kaz, who they refer to as Mother Kaz similar to Mother Hydra from the Mythos. It's possible that Kaz was providing an abundance of food for the people of the hamlet in exchange for their worship, and when she washed up on the coast dead, they apparently took the parasites from her body. It's unknown if it was these parasites or something else that transformed the people into fishmen, as in the shadow over Innsmouth, the people of Innsmouth spend years interbreeding with the Deep Ones. Much of the DLC content revolves around the concept of water, as you learn that in the early days of the Healing Church, they believed that the Great Ones were linked to the ocean. The depths of the oceans and what might lurk beneath their dark waters was a common trope in Lovecraft's stories, as it was one of his own deepest fears. Finally, let's discuss specific individuals and creatures within Bloodborne. While there are a number of human hunters that you encounter throughout the game, principal among them is Gehrman, known as the First Hunter. Gehrman would set many of the standards used by hunters following in his footsteps, but is now confined to the small area known as the Hunter's Dream. While it's arguable if he served as an inspiration, Gehrman shares similarities with the Elder God, Nodens the Lord of the Great Abyss, largely known as a Great Hunter of Beasts. Nodens notably assisted a human in Lovecraft's story The Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath by offering guidance, but is mostly just interested in hunting for sport. Gehrman also shares some connection with the Moon Presence, the Great One seemingly involved in much of the game's plot and Garman seems to imply that he is trapped in the hunter's dream, unable to escape. Depending on interpretation, the moon presence could share similarities with the outer god Nyarlathotep, 
although rather than openly battling each other, the Moon Presence has trapped Garman and is keeping him locked away in this small dreamland. The Moon Presence also shares some physical similarities with the common depiction of Nearlethotep's tentacled form. Another potential contender for a character similar to Nearlethotep is the Blood Minister you encounter at the start of the game. In his dialogue, he clearly knows more than he lets on, and signs a unique contract with the player character, allowing them to travel to the hunter's dream. This contract also seemingly allows the player to become sustained by the dream, returning from death again and again. Why this blood minister is capable of creating such a connection, and exactly how much he knows about the events in Yarnum are unclear, as he disappears after you wake up from the blood treatment, never to be seen again. There are a number of enemies in the game, both regular and bosses, that share inspiration or similarities to elements of the mythos. There are multiple creatures, such as the brain suckers, with tentacles extending off of their face. While this is likely a direct reference to mind flayers in Dungeons and Dragons, they in turn were inspired by Chthonians, created by Brian Lumley. The labyrinth moles found in the chalice dungeons underneath Yarnum also strongly resemble Chthonians, albeit much smaller. Also in the chalice dungeons, you encounter Thumerians, a lost civilization of superhuman people that lived underground and worshipped the Great Ones. This shares many similarities with the people of Kinyan, as presented in the story The Mound, where the narrator encounters a superhuman race of people living underground that worship the Great Old Ones and Outer Gods. The creatures that you encounter at Bergenworth College, known as Garden of Eyes, somewhat resemble Migo, a race of flying, insectoid creatures with heads covered in antenna. In the mythos, Migo remove humans' brains and place them in special cylinders to, in order to transport them through space. In Bloodborne, the Garden of Eyes most commonly jump and latch onto the player's head, doing no damage directly, but rapidly increasing their frenzy meter. As for bosses, we've already discussed Garman and the Moon Presence, and many of the early bosses in the game focus on their bestial nature rather than anything alien or cosmic. Rom is known as the Vacuous Spider, with vacuous meaning something that is mindless or lacks thought, much like Azathoth, the blind idiot god. Also, Rom is hidden away in her own realm that is practically an endless, empty void. And Rom is also responsible for maintaining some sort of dream or illusion across Yarnum, much like the theory of Azathoth maintaining the dream of our reality. In the Nightmare of Mensis, you discover the immense creature called the Brain of Mensis, a great one that consists of many eyes, growths, and limbs. This was probably partly inspired by the Shoggoth, which is described as being a vast, shapeless conjurie of bubbles and black slime that are capable of forming limbs and organs spontaneously. Finally, underneath the Cathedral Ward of the Healing Church, you encounter a great one known as Abritas, daughter of the cosmos. 
She is kept here by the Healing Church after they found her abandoned underneath Yarnum, and they have made great efforts in trying to communicate with her. She largely resembles some sort of combination of the Great Old One Cthulhu and the Elder Things from at the Mountains of Madness, such as having various tubes extending out from her body and possessing feelers on her face, similar to Cthulhu's tentacles. Brian Lumley created a great old one known as Cthulhu, Cthulhu's daughter that was capable of giving birth to Cthulhu should he ever die, and was thus kept secret and guarded on Earth by Cthulhu's minions. While it's incredibly likely that I've glossed over something and completely missed some connections, similarities, or inspirations between Bloodborne and the expansive Cthulhu mythos, I hope this video has at least entertained and perhaps promoted some thought and interest in the mythos. Even though it's unlikely that the creators of Bloodborne went to such lengths to reference Lovecraft's works, there's no doubt that Bloodborne is one of the most Lovecraftian games ever made, at the very least in tone. It remains to be seen whether or not there will be a sequel to Bloodborne, but we at least have an incredible homage to the Cthulhu mythos in Bloodborne.